0: Lucky you. 36 best holes in golf. The Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about Sandy. golf. Sandy. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script.
1: Down the stretch they come. We are
0: glad you joined us.
1: thank Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn.
0: <laughs> Part three, Bill Harmon. Bill, we're back. We're Great. looking at uh, one of your favorite spots. It wasn't too far from where you spent some time at Wingfoot. Really. What's Those your kind of recollection of, of your own personal achievement on the West course or on the East course? We always like to ask that. And what do you think is the toughest green to putt at Wingfoot?
2: Well, when I won the club championship, um, sounds funny. <laughs> what was it, 50 some odd years ago. And I was playing Bob Wilkie, who was uh, oh good an player. established uh, player much older than I, of course everybody was at the time. And in the morning, I shot 67 on the west course. Wow,
1: holy crap, how old were you?
2: I was, uh, so that was 67, I just turned 17. Wow. And uh, then I was, so I won 12 and 11. It would have been over on the uh, eighth green, I guess. Mm -hmm. The Massacre on the seventh green. And I was three under par on the east course on those holes. Yeah, I was hole everything and hitting it good. And, you know, back then I didn't know anything about the golf swing. And I felt if I could reach a green, I could knock it close. Now, if I can get a pitching wedge on the green, I'm happy.
0: <laughs>
2: so the game was uh, there was no fear involved I didn't know what that word meant and so I uh uh but you know I just have so many great great memories here you know Bobby Christie beat me twice in the club championship once in the juniors and once in. I think it was maybe I was defending the the, the men's club championship the next year he beat me on that green and uh no, all of my memories of, of Wingfoot are—I uh, don't know. I just like I said, it's a, when you get older and you realize how lucky you've been, and you you start tracing why the heck did this happen. Uh, and I, you know, I have to give Waikiki credit too. You know, we were there before we came over to Wingfoot, and Waikiki was great to the Harmons, and uh, that was a wonderful place to learn how to play golf.
1: Donald Ross, heck of a nice a, that...
2: golf course to yeah. play. To have to hit downhill, uphill, side hill, small greens. That, you could learn to play golf at Waikugil.
0: There was a migration of uh, people, my dad being one, who started at Waikugil and came to Wingfoot in 68 or 69. There really? was a bunch of guys that did it. Yeah, he yeah, learned from Bob. Uh, Bob Watson. Bob Watson, I think I told you. My first five clubs, Bob Watson gave me.
2: Isn't that something?
0: And uh, you think about that. Do you think golf has to be played with 14 clubs?
2: I feel... Before they change the ball and all this stuff on distance, which I think should happen personally for the pros, I think the easiest thing to do is to uh, limit the number of clubs and make it nine for the pros, and then let's see who can be the best player.
1: So a driver. But what would
2: they take? You know, what a club? Driver,
1: a hybrid and seven wedges. <laughs> there you go.
2: That's right. That could be, but I would find it very interesting if you limited the number of clubs that they could have or just a tournament should do it, you know, like the uh, the minor leagues did the pitch clock and the shift and stuff, and they did some research on it. So what if they did, you know, four corn ferry tour events a year where they did nine clubs or 10 clubs or the tournament out in Reno that's Stableford, you know, yeah. instead of doing that, and start um, gathering data. Um, I was thinking about this this morning when when I woke up knowing I was going to be on with you guys, that when I was at Wingfoot in 2020, the ball was running forever. The course actually played short, and only one guy broke apart. But my first day, I was a, a spotter on 4 West. This sounds kind of crazy. I was on the right side of the fairway, and I never realized, looking back to the tee, how downhill that tee shot was. It never dawned on me when I was playing the hole, because it was always a driving a four-iron or something. And these guys were hitting driving sand wedges to four, four West from 480 yards. Unbelievable. You know, they're hitting short irons to number nine, 600 yards. And um, only one guy broke par and and so and i think 6 over might have been in the top 10 by the way and but that's a joke to hit a drive in a 9 iron to a 600 yard par 5 isn't it that's not yeah. right i don't care how big you are and all that stuff that's that's not golf and i don't really enjoy watching pro golf today because every hole's a drive in a wedge and every par 5 is a drive in a 7 iron right except on a par 3 so i like watching the I hate the course at Bay Hill, but I like the fact that it's hard and that guys have to make some pars coming in. You know, they actually have to perform and, and put the ball in the fairway and hit the green. I'm not blaming the players. The players are fantastic. They're really good. I just kind think something is, up, something's too. going wrong here. I don't know what it is, but the game shouldn't be this easy. You mentioned Bay Hill. I think
0: of it's 16, right? The short par five? Yes. And I think of what they do to that hole with it, you know, it's a different story when there's a lot of wind, but I always think of Payne Stewart because that was his house behind the green. Correct. You must have some stories with Payne Stewart. I I was fortunate enough to get played with him on a Monday pro-am one time down here in Miami. That was just pure luck. And he was wearing pants then. Yeah. He shot the easiest sixty-six you'd ever see in your life. I said this, and he was new. You know, he had to qualify on Mondays, and I said, "Wow, this is, this this is something here you don't he, see." Every he day, had right. kind
2: of a throwback swing. You know, he was a big, he was a swinger, not a hitter. Lifted his left heel, didn't do any of the modern stuff. <clears throat> uh, but Payne, Payne was a winner. You know, he was a guy that, you know, there is an expression. At that level, golf swings don't win tournaments. People win tournaments. You know, And so he won three majors. You know, when he got into the hunt, he was a show off, you know, by the way, he dressed and everything. And show offs usually do better, you know, when the when the the bright lights of the stage hit him. So he was an interesting character. You know, early on, he wasn't very well liked. I didn't know many players that liked him. He could be kind of acidic. I think towards the end of his career, he mellowed quite a bit. Um, My only real, uh, I had kind of quit caddying by the time he became real good, but we were playing with him at Abilene, the legit classic. So this is a story that comes to mind and he drove it in the left rough on the 18th hole and he had tree trouble. Um, There weren't a lot of uh, leaves. There were just these branches and kept taking these practice swings and the it really inhibited his backswing. And you guys play enough. Let's say there's a, a limb that makes you shorten your backswing fifty percent. You know, and you take twenty practice swings and twenty practice swings, and when you when it finally comes to the ball, you hit the limb in your your <laughs> swing. You do it almost every <laughs> single time. Yeah. he hit the limb in his swing, and it directed the club, and he whiffed it. And without missing a beat, he screamed as loud as he could: "Strike one!" <laughs> <laughs> and so I never forgot that. Uh, there were two things about it. It was guttural and it was real, but it was also uh I was trying to hit the ball. that was a stroke. There was no uh, cheating involved, you know So right away it was like add one, so I'll never forget the way he did it. He wasn't even upset. he, he brought humor to it and uh, so that that's my pain stir, but I didn't really know him you know, I didn't, uh, I don't know if I ever had a conversation with Penn Stewart. One
0: thing that Billy Regan and I have talked about is when you're Paul Tesori, getting for Webb Simpson or Cam Young. So this week you're in Texas oh, at the Valero yeah. Open. Next week is the Masters. Yeah. How's that like? Do, I mean, some of these guys have net jets. Do you get invited on the jet? Do you have to get to the place? Well, there
2: were no net jets. Right. net jets when I, when I was out there. Um, we just had Robin and I had our big Harmon recovery fundraiser last week. And, uh, at our little party, the night before the golf, we had, uh, Julie Inkster, Jay, uh, Billy Andrade, Tom Percher and Joe Durant did a little Q and a, and, uh, Jay, Jay mentioned sarcastically that, uh, you know it was very difficult early on when he started playing the tour in the in the early 70s you know when the jet showed up about 15 minutes late and the champagne wasn't quite chilled properly on the flight home after missing the cut of course he was being sarcastic because <laughs> it wasn't that way back when they started and uh, my question to them was i always like to ask questions that they haven't heard before because you know, these guys have been playing and Julie have been playing competitive golf 40, 50 years. And I asked them what their lowest point was when they knew that they weren't good enough anymore. Because they all go through it, by the way. You know We're talking about Justin Thomas, who, you know, if he finishes 15th, we think he's had a bad week. Because they've all gone through it. And so it was very interesting listening to, you know, in the middle of a slump, uh, how down they got and everything. And so Julie Inksters, she went first, and hers was fantastic. She talked about, you know, she'd won three U.S. Amateurs in a row, I believe. She was, uh, uh, but she was a mother. Back then, there were no daycare centers, and she was playing bad. And she said, just think of this. I was a bad mom, a bad wife, and a bad golfer all at the same time. And, and it was so enlightening because she kind of uncovered herself. And it was very interesting listening to these people when they were going bad. So uh, asking me if I ever got on a net jet from the Valero <laughs> tournament, no, we drove through the night, uh, unfortunately, with some help, probably. And But, you know, back then, that was kind of the fun of it to me. I, I look back on... Uh, uh, I think we all look back on days in our in our lives when we had nothing but we didn't know any different so you just get it done and so i i look back in the caddy days when i started we didn't make any money nobody really had any money but we all took care of each other and we traveled together and and i don't uh, i thought it was the time of my life i was having a, a great time so i uh you know when you work at nice clubs like i do and um you see people that supposedly have everything. And for my value system, some of them have nothing. They got houses and they got this, but they don't have happiness. So <laughs> I don't look at, uh, uh, you know, my my gifts in life come wrapped in different packages and they're not things, they're experiences and stuff. So. Uh, I like listening to how it was before people got good or before they became successful because everybody had to go through issues and problems and stuff and Jay Haas's comment was interesting he said I never wanted to get comfortable I wasn't good enough to be comfortable I'd have an edge all the time I'd always be striving because players are coming up that are probably better than me and I got to ward them off so this thing had he said, getting comfortable playing with Jack or Tiger or Trevino, that's a different question to me. That that happened early with me because he played with Miller the third round of the open at Wingfoot in 74. The next year he played with Jack the third round of the open at Medina, all, both of these as an amateur. and his first round at the Masters as an amateur, he played with Arnold, so he's already been thrown into this fire before he turned pro. But so the... I'm kind of got off on your question. No, it wasn't there. We drove through the night. That's why I get a kick out of players say I get tired playing three, four weeks in a row. Yeah. I get a That, that really gets me. Now, at our club, everything is carts. And one of my students say, Boy, I really played good on the front nine. I shot 39 and I got tired on the back nine. So, well, how the hell you get tired riding in a cart? I don't get that. <laughs> is the is the pedal heavier on the back nine or something <laughs> how, how the hell do you get tired riding in a cart on the back nine you got to explain that one to me you know because i don't get that now if you're playing a 36 hole match i can see you know slowing down the last nine but this you know you're riding in a cart with a rolls royce uh hood on it or something and you're getting tired you know and you got a bucket full of drinks in there and i don't know that's just it's like how about like you baseball should play good today
1: Huh? It's like the baseball players today. I I don't understand how they get tired. They basically stand still for a whole game, sit on the bench half the game, and run 90 feet every now and then.
2: I spent a, a an evening one time with Koufax. He was my only real sports hero I ever had. I don't know why.
1: Uh, I wasn't was. a Yankee
2: fan. I was a Dodger fan, Brooklyn Dodger fan. And Koufax was a guy, and I ended up being at an outing, and I had dinner with him. And... uh I said, you know, I, I'm a, I love baseball. And I said, you know, your last two years, you threw 54 complete games his last two seasons. Oh. 54. I think Scherzer, your guy for the Mets now, might have a total of 20 in his career. In his career.
1: Koufax pitched one year, 326 innings with 372 strikeouts. That's like two years for, for these guys. Now. correct.
2: And he was great. He said, "Listen, uh, nowadays they pay the young, young pitchers so much money. You have to, you have to protect your investment." They're you know, and I were the first people that ever held out for a hundred thousand apiece. So, but he said we had an unwritten rule: if you were leading a game, they wouldn't take you out. So I could be up six five in the fifth inning, and they would let you try to win that game. So he he wasn't in any way, shape, or form. You know that these kids aren't this, that, whatever. But to your point, Bill, um, it is interesting what makes these new golfers tired. Bob Golby had a three-year stretch where he played 39, 39, and 42 tournaments. Wow! And now if they play, well, God, i got to play these three FedEx Cups in a row. You know, right. that's terrible for $25 million a tournament. God, I can, that's hard. It does well, get a little bit much, doesn't it? Come
1: on. Age might have, some. I mean, I get tired after three or four days in a row now at my age, but
2: when Me I was too. younger,
1: my cousin and I would, every June 21st, we'd play Silanoi, Wingfoot, Wingfoot, and Stanwich in the same day.
2: <laughs> you are an addict. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all. We were
1: making are. our last 18 at Silanoi, and I'm running into the grill to get some Gatorade and my cousin is getting the bags all set up and I run into a guy in there he goes you making the turn I said (laughs) yeah sort of
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you know this hasn't I haven't seen this this is the week coming up where the quote-unquote live players the guys the guys got fired from the PGA tour are coming together since it was the British Open I think is the last time they all met up what do you think about that
1: That should be an interesting locker room.
2: You know, I've said this, that well before live. not every Masters champion liked each other. And nothing ever came out of the dinners because they play with each other all the time. And so I think the media has helped create this uh, discord amongst the players. And a couple of the players I think probably could have avoided the issues. I don't think it's going to be that big a deal on a one-to-one level. I really don't. I I really believe that the champion's dinner... Now, I'm a little surprised at Freddie, to be honest with you, how vocal he's been. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why he became the spokesman. I'm not saying I disagree with everything he said, but why do you have to... The champion's dinner should be about Scotty Scheffler, in my opinion. Absolutely. And if I were Freddie and advising him, which I wouldn't uh, be asked to advise him. First thing I do is I go up and shake Phil's hand. Hey, Phil, how you doing? Sergio, how are you? Just be a gentleman. That's all. And I really don't think there's going to be much problem golf wise because they play with people they don't like all the time. That's that just happens in golf. I think that the, the bigger question to me is I just don't think the media is going to leave it alone.
1: Absolutely not. And I really think that
2: I really think that most players are going to say something to the extent, you know, we've beaten this thing to death. Let's talk about the masters, but they're going to keep hounding and hounding and hounding until they get that sound bite. And someone's going to, you know, basically give it to them and, uh, i i realize it and if one of the live players wins it kind of turns pro golf upside down really Yep. you know so and you got to believe that in the one of the four majors it's not out of the question that one of them will win it
0: you get one a of the little tradition majors. you get history to live get some
2: history right so um well,
1: all you have to do is look at the odds. I'm sure the fan duels and all these other places are going to show you that they think one of them's gonna win it, whether it's Dustin well, Johnson you know, or know, yeah, Dustin Smith.
2: Johnson, who has stayed totally above the fray, <clears throat> you know, he's still secretariat physically. <laughs> yeah, and
1: Cam Smith is
2: and he's already won there. So it's not like he and and Dustin isn't someone that gets involved in all this stuff. Cam Smith is, you know, world class. And, you know, and they do have a little bit of a burr, you know, I'm sure they have a little bit of uh, more interest. Now, the question is, will that make them play better or worse? Right. Because you know, Augusta is a kind of course where you have to be, you have to make a lot of good decisions and calm and stuff like that. So I don't know if it's a kind of course that you can play with your hair on fire. <clears throat> so it'll be very interesting to watch. I mean, let's face it, we're golf fans. We love the game. And uh, with all the stuff that's gone on, here they are again. You know, they're what are they, sixteen or seventeen live players in the tournament? Yeah,
0: you know? yeah, I counted them up. I think your number is about right.
2: So I, I but I think that when the Masters dinner is over, that they'll. I my sense is that they'll all say it was it was good, it was fine. You know, and I, I think that. I think you'd have to be a real jerk to go in there and be a jerk in that dinner. To be honest with yeah, you, know.
1: Yeah, these are just people who made life choices. You know, agree or disagree with them. They're just, it's just, just choices. I said from
2: there. day one, I don't uh, I, anybody that took the money. I get it. I just personally have no interest in the tour. None. I haven't watched That's one. Have uh, to me, it's a, a glorified Discovery Property member guest on steroids. Is all it is to me.
1: I I keep saying yeah if you need the money or you want the money, that's fine. But if you win a live tournament, really, who cares?
2: I don't care. I haven't watched one shot on. uh, I think I saw a replay of Dustin Johnson making a 30 footer to win one of the tournaments in Boston in a playoff. But other than that, I haven't seen anything and I don't care about it. And uh, nor do I dislike the players that, uh, you know when i caddied for mike gilmore the last round of the uh, u.s open in 2020 when he was a, a marker he played with abraham Ancher, and i thought abraham Ancher was one of the coolest guys I ever met in my life i loved him terrific guy unbelievably good guy so just because he goes to live that's going to wipe out my memory of those 18 holes no it doesn't he's a good guy you know what
0: i remember about him is the prior two years he was always on that leaderboard that NBC yes, or was. CBS would put up there. The guy
2: was just pesky. He's, he was there, he's unbelievably pesky, with a, a fantastic short game. So he he can and he cuts it, which is interesting because my dad had this kind of figured out years ago. They everyone used to say Augusta was a hooker's course, and he said, "Yeah, but all the troubles on the left." The <laughs> was a fader. He won three. Nicholas was a fader. He won six. You know, so this notion that you have to hook the ball at Augusta, but almost every hole, jail is on the left, other than eighteen that yeah. I can think of.
0: I I was thinking about this discussion, and I, I I don't know how I thought this. The front nine of Augusta, one, three, five, seven, nine are par fours. One, three. I've never heard, played a golf course where it's like that. It that maybe that's also makes it kind of cool. Not that we see every angle of it on TV, but the way the architect laid it out. And then there's a par five and a par three, like, uh, uh, you know, stuck to each other, et cetera, on the back nine.
2: Yeah. To uh, 12 and 13 and 15 and 16. I always thought one of the oddities in golf is that every double green at St. Andrews, if you add up the number of what the hole is, it always came to 18. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, the second green and sixteenth, three and so this happened when back then they only had a twelve horse, twelve hole course, right? And then they somehow expanded it. So how could that be that these seven double greens all add up to eighteen? I don't know. It's just one of those things in life. You go, how could that possibly be? You Somebody
0: know? thought about that, so that you would think about it, a
2: 200 years later. That's <laughs> right. That's right. I I I come up with some really important stuff.
0: <laughs>
1: hopefully your score doesn't add up to 18 on those well, two on either
2: one of them that's right that's right that's right
0: I, I i don't know if you want to talk about this the back injury of zal torres there's other players that have had this i see that um burger he lives about yeah. a mile from me i see yeah. him he's trying to get back from the back injury and now i see this new friend of ours brandon matthews he pulled out of the tournament this week back injury what about that
2: well, um, what I know about physical fitness would not fit into a thimble. So I can't say that I have a qualified opinion on it. But I have a son who's who uh, runs a fitness center at Castle Pines and outside of Denver. And I asked him one time, I said, as you know, your dad knows nothing about this stuff. But if you put a Ferrari engine into a Volkswagen body, and you didn't fortify the foundation of the Volkswagen, would it work? And he said, of course not. So I think, I believe that physical fitness kind of hit golf late. And for many years, the players were guinea pigs to what was right and what was wrong. Cause I always thought physical fitness should keep you from being injured. That would be my guess. So I wonder if these kids got too big, too strong, too fast for the human body to, and then most people will tell you that um, the body and the golf swing are very unnatural things. They don't really go together. And so I don't really know, but all I know is that the the players from when we grew up weren't injured like this. None of them really. And now we get all these young guys injured in uh Throughout sports, I'm not too sure that my analogy is wrong about the Ferrari and the Volkswagen body, and uh, uh, and a lot of people want to say the inverted C, but there were a lot of great players that had the inverted C that didn't get injured. I never had a back problem in my life, and I grew up in that era. In fact, I played better doing that stuff, <laughs> and so I think maybe some people don't have good backs, maybe. But I'm not uh, I'm not sold on uh, that the body can handle all this speed in in the quarter of a second that the downswing occurs. From the time you start down to impact is a quarter of a second, and a guy's generating 120 miles an hour clubhead speed in a quarter of a second. I don't know enough about it, but it seems to me there's something that's not right there.
0: Uh, Bill Harmon. We're lucky to be on this live with you. We're editing maybe a lot. Not little as lucky
2: stuff. as me. I've got news for you. Oh,
0: let me tell you something. <laughs> I wish other people would have the opportunity to have the live discussion with you. The, you know, it goes back to the Masters again. We're we're to me, there's no sporting event that even close to this. The Super Bowl, okay, but it's different place every year.
2: How about you know, the women's have... amateur today figured Right. Engineer. How good is
0: this Rosa Zhang?
2: How about, but how about that event in what four years has become almost the premier women's amateur golf tournament in the world where who gets it's more? so well,
1: it's so well thought of. I mean, they, they qualify a champion's retreat, but they do not deprive any of them for a round at Augusta, whether they make the cut or not. I, think I that's can't wait great. to watch
2: it today, to be honest with you. I have yeah. loved watching it. And I think about how fortunate I've been to walk to fairways as a caddy, uh, obviously to have a dad that won, but to play there like I have played there a few times. And now to see these ladies playing, uh, it's just incredible what they've done. And 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 I love watching it. And the one thing about the female players and the, the ones on the LPGA tour, they're uncanny straight hitters unbelievable the quality of their golf i think a few years ago they had their PJ championship at westchester country club and they tore it up because they hit it straight you see so that's not a tight course for them so i think that as we watch the future of the game today uh, their play is incredible how good they are and to see them do it at augusta and hit those shots it would be interesting to see if there was a you know 15 to 20 mile per hour win there <laughs> and the greens got hard and fast it would be sporty but the quality of that event i think has been so interesting and it goes in line with how they run the real masters actually well and yeah, it's and it's it
1: speaks more... a lot to the to the course itself it's,
2: yes
0: course the way everybody the wants to thinks. watch
1: augusta get played by almost anybody i think i'd watch you know a foursome play if it was on tv no so. i think
2: you're right i mean if they wanted to open that to the public They'd get 100,000 people, but 95 of them would be there just to see Augusta National. Not right. golf. Right. But they've created that mystique and they've created that in a pretty. But
0: they are doing a hell of a lot for women's golf.
2: For an organization that seems to get criticized a lot for maybe not being good in those areas. But uh, they they know how to do things. And they don't, they seem to be oblivious to criticism, which I like, but, but critics by and large shoot up, they don't shoot down. So <laughs> you're being criticized, it probably means you're pretty good.
0: That's right. Who's your uh, dope out the betting form for the masters. Okay. As Billy would say in a racing term, who do you like this week coming up?
2: Oh, about three months ago, I put a hundred dollars on Dustin Johnson at 26 to one. Uh, If I had to, I think it's real hard. Uh, I think Scotty Scheffler, he has everything for that course. His short game, but Scotty seems to have, uh, to be born with uh, very good nerves. He doesn't seem to ever look uncomfortable. Uh, I remember a few years ago when he was a rookie, he was in the last group of DJ at the Harding Park in the PGA. I think he shot 70 or 71. He certainly didn't choke. No. The announcer said he won 90 junior tournaments. <laughs> so winners are winners. So anytime you win a tournament, doesn't make any difference to level. You still have to hit that eight iron on the green, you know, make par on the last hole. And so he's used to winning. I think Scheffler is, uh, uh, for my money, if I had to bet on it, because you can't, you know, betting on golf is a pretty, <laughs> it's hard to figure that one out, but. <laughs> i think he's got all the tools i would say
1: certainly got the right temperament
2: everything his his short game is temperament he seems so comfortable in that position and uh uh, i love his old school swing i love all that slashing and stuff that he does and his short game is great he handles himself beautifully and uh i'm a i'm a big scotty fan
1: he seems to have uh like you could have been his teacher because he, he he It's clear that there are other things in life that are equally important to him.
2: Well, you got to give not Randy of credit. His teacher Randy doesn't get enough credit. He works with a lot of good players, and because he's not Tarzan beating his chest all the time, he doesn't get all the uh, the attention that he should. But uh, he gets my attention. I I tend to uh, gravitate towards the ones the ones that don't beat their own chest. Well. Scheffler, I I think back the last
0: year, I think the last time Scheffler was really out of play was on that third hole where he hit the scoreboard, got a little yeah. drop, and then whatever happened after that. But I haven't seen him out of play like that in a year. He seems to put it in play and long.
2: Well, I don't know. He just seems to have everything. And I think that you know every now and then a course comes up or a player comes up, and that course just seems to fit. He has all the qualities to play well there for a long time. So he's playing good right now. So, uh, you know, Rory, the only thing about Rory, obviously the grand slam puts a little pressure on him. And I think Sheffer is naturally a good putter. I think Rory is a, uh, fabricated kind of good putter. It's not natural for him. And so, uh, he works at it and has worked with Brad Fax and I think has been great. But uh boy, you're gonna have to make some tough putts to win the masters. You know, it's like, like at Wingfoot. You get behind the hole on six east, and the pins over on the left, and you got an eight-footer that breaks six feet on the green that's now running 15. <laughs> you know, anything less than a perfect putt will not go and, in. You're, and you're chipping. Exactly. And so I think that um that's the one thing i would say about rory i'm a big rory fan i I like him a lot i think it's unbelievable talent but i think he has to really go through mental gymnastics to be a good putter and i don't think sheffler does i don't know if it's
1: true or not but i sort of noticed that about adam scott uh, oh he was
2: never a good putter yeah Nah, never a good putter you know born good putter you can make yourself a decent putter but i don't know if he'll ever be better than the ones that are born good at it
0: you're gonna you're gonna be asked this question in a month when you're at the Centennial or you're at Wingfoot. Yeah. The one thing you get one thing to talk about when it ter- pertains to the hundred. Now we're going to hundred first year at Wingfoot. What's the one thing that you'll always want to be thinking about in your relationship with Wingfoot?
2: I think Wingfoot in this country has been the most influential club in the history of American golf because of its relationships with the golf pros and it's a golf club and all the people that Wingfoot has mentored, all these young kids that come and go on to be great pros at every other club in the country and then they branch out from there. I I believe Wingfoot has changed the course of golf more than any club uh, in America. When you look at the pros that they've had System pros and gone on to be great pros and great players all over the place. And I remember when I was there last time asking some of the pros, how often do you play? Oh, three three, four times a week. I don't play three or four times a season, you know. And so another little feather in your cap, you know, Katie, PGA Merchandiser of the Year. She came there as a 22-year-old intern, Right. Now she's She's, a a merchandiser of the year. That says a lot for the club. That says a lot for the people there. So I think Wingfoot has influenced golf. Not modern day golf, the way it is now because clubs are different. I get all that. I work at one that's different. But Wingfoot has had more influence on the real golfers, in my opinion, than any club I've ever been around. Nothing's even close to it. But it's a golf club. And uh, it's it's revered and it's respected and uh they allow the pros to be golf pros most people didn't turn pro to fold shirts you know and it
1: did all of that without a driving range
2: unbelievable (laughs) the
0: worst driving range (laughs) this has been extra special billy i don't know how it could be extra special after we did the three episodes earlier Last year, I just, uh, you keep amazing. And we have uh, so many people that are asking us, when's Billy coming back? Ah, well, I can't wait back. to
2: get back. I'm the lefty you can bring out of the bullpen when you don't have any other guests.
0: Well, well we, want have to, a, we want a lesson in the bunker, one-handed lesson in when the When I bunker, get back, man. we're
2: going to do it. Wingfoot has influenced golf, not modern-day golf the way it is now, because clubs are different. And I get all that. I work at one that's different. But Wingfoot has had more influence on the real golfers, in my opinion, than any club I've ever been around. Nothing's even close to him.
0: Thanks for joining Casper, us today. Billy Harmon. We really
2: appreciate your Double feedback.
0: Indemnity, and please, Markie, subscribe to Markie, the writer, show and hit Claude the bell Harman, icon so you get notified Movie classics. Of new episodes,
1: Mark Gable.
0: Hit him hard job. and hit him off.
1: That's 36 holes.